When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey folks, this is Jason Lewis, the producer of the From the Shadows podcast. I just want to remind you about our website, fromtheshadowspodcast.com. We have a Facebook page. We would appreciate it if you like and follow. Also, join our discussion group on Facebook called After the Shadows. We have a Twitter feed. Please follow us on Twitter. It can be found at podcast underscore from. Follow us on Instagram at From the Shadows Podcast. We have a YouTube channel. Go to the search bar of YouTube and put From the Shadows Podcast and please subscribe to that channel. We are also on the Odyssey Radio Network and we can be found there at odyssey1.com. We are still on the traditional podcatchers that everybody loves to listen to us on. We get a lot of feedback, so please rate the podcast and communicate with uh, whether you're on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or Google Podcasts. We're there, and we appreciate it when you leave comments for us. We also have a Patreon page. It can be found at www.patreon.com forward slash from the shadows. You can receive books, stickers, coffee mugs, and special content just for our Patreon subscribers. Check it out for yourself and see what packages that we have to offer. Well, that's all I have for you right now, folks. And thanks for being a part of the From the Shadows podcast family. So with that being said... Let's get this episode started. Hey, welcome everyone to the From the Shadows podcast. I'm your host, Shane Grove, and with me is... The Judge. The judge. Jason, the producer, what's happening? I'm doing good. Greetings, everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah don't don't go without your standard tagline. Yeah, I, mean, right. I mean, we're trying to brand that. That's true. It's going to be a ringtone for, uh, <laughs> ringtone. for our fans. I think it'll be a... I think it maybe we'll, uh, we'll get it into a bumper sticker. There you go. <laughs> now we're super. Hey, we're super excited, and to, tonight's guest is probably. What do you want to say, Judge? I'm I mean, excited because I now have a fellow dog man enthusiast. Yes. Yeah, because me and Jason are really not enthusiastic about the dog man. Oh, we, we don't, don't want to meet him. We I'll don't tell you that. Meet, <laughs> we don't want to meet him. And despite all the snow here in Ohio, and all the you know trying to get hooked up for this interview we managed to to make it make it work may it work we have work. We, we have a great guest tonight so we yes. have so we have dog man extraordinaire uh 
what is it? The North American Dogman Project. That's your. That's your. Yeah. That's your. The the founder, the leader, the exalted commander of the North American Dogman Project, Jody Cook, is with us. Welcome, Jody. Thank you. Happy to be here. Hey, we're way more excited than you sound. I mean, come on. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I, I'm 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 excited. Trust me. Trust me. So we can tell by your voice. You just probably. <laughs> I, mean, I think I hear yeah. you doing cartwheels. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, so so Jody, tell our tell our listeners uh, a little bit about yourself and you know your background in some bigfoot stuff and how you how you managed to segue into to dogman well i've been doing this for 30 years since the 1980s um i was a ufo researcher first um we were getting a lot of bigfoot reports um when it started doing the bigfoot stuff um mainly doing ohio and then kind of expanding out uh through you know, uh, the late eighties going into the nineties and the field got really political and, you know, so I kind of stepped away from it for a while and got into the dogman research because it was a new cryptid. It was, it was something that was just happening real quick, real fast. Uh, A lot of sightings were coming up. I found it to be very interesting and just fell into it and just been doing it, um, you know, since about 19, started doing it about 1987, but I was still doing Bigfoot research, but actually, you know, doving into the uh, Dogman stuff uh, about 1987. Now, what, now, was, so most of the Bigfoot stuff that you did was in Ohio? Uh, when I first started out, it was in Ohio. Um, then I started expanding out to other different states, doing research there. Um, I've been to Canada did research up there, did investigating, you know, up in Canada and Vancouver, actually spoke um, at a conference in Vancouver in 1994. Um, so, like you said, I just, I just been doing it, love doing it. Um, very interesting subject, did a lot of, like, research in Ohio. Um, and that that's, the, I'm, I'm one of these people when you do research, you know, I, I'd like to go really deep into the research, like to go really far, um, a lot further than what most people do when they go, when they do research. And when I did the Ohio, you know, research and stuff, I was the first, um, researcher in Ohio to use the word grass man, either on, um, a show or a, you know, a book or whatever. Um, cause there's a lot of history on how the game grass man came about and, um, it, it was located up in just one particular area up in the Akron, Ohio area, and that's where a lot of um, Dutch were still up in that area. So the name goes all the way back until the 1800s. There was a gentleman by the name of William Vanderbilt uh, back in 1877, uh, wrote um, a book, and it didn't get published until like 1911. I uh, wrote a book called A Buckeye Boyhood, and what he did, basically did was write a lot of books about Ohio. So in this particular book, he has a chapter called In the Woods, and it talks about him growing up in Ohio in the 1840s. And there was a road that went to Utica, which is a small town north of um, – or a little bit north of um, uh, Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, that was like the main route. 
Yeah, that's the main. Yeah, exactly. Which was the main route um, that everybody went to from Cincinnati. And he talks about this creature on this road that would harass, you know, people, you know, throw rocks at them, throw sticks, you know, try to, you know, grab the people when, when they're on horseback or in a buggy or something to that effect. And they called it the Bajesman. Now, the Bajesman is a South African word for Bushman. Okay, so when the Dutch came to Ohio, they came from South Africa because the Dutch occupied South Africa. So there's an area in South Africa called the Giant Castle Pass where there's actually cave paintings of what they call, you know, the uh, the giant uh, Bajesman. Now, Bajesman Wiki is what you would call the, the guy from, like, uh, uh, the gods must be crazy. You know, he's the human. So um, he would call this thing the Bajesman, but through time and through, you know, families getting more American and speaking, you know, uh, English and, you know, uh, just progressing to be Americans, it went from Bushman to Grassman. So that's how the name came about. Wow. So it's it kind of interesting. So yeah, and it took a lot of um, well, a lot of that, years to do that his, to do that research. You know, just on that name to get it finding that's all it went all the way back to South Africa with a you know with the Dutch coming here and and their version of Bigfoot in South Africa in an area like you say, called Giant Castle Pass. So, so in the 1840s, was he, was this Vanderbilt guy experiencing a Bigfoot? Yeah, no, he describes it very well. He describes it as something between Sinbad's old man on the mountain and a gorilla. Okay. <laughs> so he gave a, so he gave a pretty good description. So, so you know, before we dive headfirst into the into the dogman stuff, Bigfoot. What what was your what was some of your favorite cases in Ohio? Like what what evidence did you come across that really uh, maybe sold you on the fact there's a a Bigfoot or an Ohio grassman out there? Well, the, the biggest area everybody knows is uh, Salt Fork State Park. Um, every single ranger from when the park was built in the 1970s all the way up to today have seen it. So they know there's something in a park there. So that was like one of the biggest areas to do, you know, my research. I would go up there on the weekends, you know, um, you know, I find tracks, you know, I did a lot of castings. Um, Adam County was another place in Ohio where there was just, uh, tremendous amount of sightings <clears throat> now i got a hand cast that i got from a witness um there was there was a storm one night and um something was banging on the side of their trailer it was just the two girls home at the time it was screaming and uh they were just getting terrified so the following morning you know uh, their husband uh, the one girl's husband came home and they told him, what, you know, what happened. So he went around, looked around, and he found, you know, some large humanoid-type tracks. But he found a handprint where it pushed down on a branch. And it only got the, the, the upper part of the hand with uh, the four fingers because the uh, bottom palm and the thumb was actually on, pushing a branch down into the ground. 
So he made castings of it, um, and he contacted the sheriff's department. So this is in the 1980s, uh, the, or I'm excuse me, early 90s, and um, contacted the sheriff's department. Sheriff's department came out. So what I did um, prior to that, I wrote a letter to all 88 counties in Ohio to the sheriff's department, okay, saying, look, if you get a Bigfoot sighting, don't laugh it off send the information to me, contact, you know, here's my contact information. And believe it or not, that's how I got a lot of stuff. A lot of people will call me and say, hey, I had this sighting. I contacted the sheriff's department. The sheriff's department gave me your number, and I called you. And that's how I got this, this case in Adams County. So the FBI actually had, had possession of the handprint because they had dermal ridges and everything on it. So they looked at it um, in you know, wrote back, you know, listen, they said, you know, that whatever made this handprint was a, a live animal. And they said it kind of looked like a gorilla's handprint. Okay, the dermal ridges kind of at kind of went up to what a gorilla's um, dermal ridges is. The guy name was Jimmy Chilcutt. And I believe he's a um, retired police officer in Texas. But he worked with the FBI at the time. And, you know, he couldn't determine what it was. He said this thing was either a gorilla's hand or it was a Bigfoot's hand. It was not human. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good evidence, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I would yeah. Say so. Yeah, but here, here's the thing that you kind of have to understand too. Adams County and Scioto County is very well known for exotic, legal, and illegal animal trade. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, so. Could someone had a pet gorilla? Yes, because we we had one in our zoo for 20 years that someone in Ohio owned it, and it had never seen another gorilla for 20 years. It, it was by itself, and they had it in a real beautiful little area on their property. And when it got, you know, when they got old, they ended up giving it to the Cincinnati Zoo and so forth. So, um, it clearly yeah, was not it, Harambe. It, how do you own? No. How do you own a gorilla? <laughs> uh, you can you can get, you can get licensed for believe it or not not no more not not in Ohio anymore because after this guy let all these animals yeah, out the yeah, you know yeah. they 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 kind of stopped it so everything right now is you know illegal and so forth so um, so we have a handprint so we we don't know uh, because uh, he has moles from. Um, bone clones. He has them from the museum, National Museum, the Natural History Museum of Man in San Diego, and from the San Diego Zoo. So this handprint didn't match up to any mold, a mold of any handprint that's out there of a gorilla. So it, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Wow, I would say so. So, so, so you, so you kind of get burn out a little bit with what's going on with Bigfoot. At what point did you start getting sightings that people maybe thought it was Bigfoot and you determined it was something else? I mean, is that well, something I mean, I was, you figured out or did somebody say? Well, well, in the 1980s, you know, going up into the 1990s, there wasn't a real whole lot of dogman stuff other than the Michigan dogman and the Beast of Bray Road. Okay, those particular areas. Well, okay, you think about so, it, like if in my story, my dogman experience was mid eighties, like eighty five, somewhere in there, eighty five, mm-hmm. eighty six, and 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 I've said this before, I had no frame of reference. 
I mean, when, when I right. saw it, and, and the thing about it is, I didn't look at it and say werewolf. You know, I didn't say, oh, my God, it was a werewolf because, and I've said this before on other shows, is that my vision of what Hollywood told me werewolf was, was Lon Chaney Jr. wearing a plaid exactly. shirt and ripped jeans. And so right. when I saw it, the, the first thing that, well, when, you know, when I call, was able to collect myself, the only thing I could describe was the Egyptian god Anubis. That was the only frame of reference that I had. And so, you know, 80s and in, in, in early 90s, there's no internet. There's no, uh, there's no travel channel. There, there's none of these things that can, if you saw something, you could say, oh, well, yeah, I can categorize that. That's what people describe as a dog, man. Right. You know, so my experience so, predates Bray Road by six, seven years. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But see, here's the thing. I was getting reports in the late 80s and 90s of a Bigfoot having a snout, um, having legs like a dog, high-pointed ears. Well, I'm thinking, well, okay, maybe this is a different breed of a Bigfoot. Okay, because I didn't even think about it being a dogman because the only dogman-type case we had in the state of Ohio was the 1972, which was the um, Defiance, Ohio case. Right. Which was a, uh, like a werewolf is what they called it. That was harassing, you know, um, this town of Defiance in like 1972. It happened, um, give or take a week, maybe timeline and what's kind of interesting about it they described this thing as when the first description of it was a werewolf not not your lawn chaining werewolf but your typical wolf that stood on two legs had high pointed ears had a snout you know had a tail now european version of of werewolf back in well werewolf 15 1500s right so the police were I can't say they were scared, but they were alarmed on what was going on because it attacked three guys, three railroad workers on the first night of the, of the siding. Those are the ones that described it that way. Now, the police end up saying, well, it's a guy in a costume. He, had, he was, they put clothes on him, okay, in order to get people not to be so terrified. But all the witnesses said it never had clothing on it whatsoever. So that was the only case that ever happened in Ohio. And like you said, that was in 72. So you didn't hear anything more about it. <clears throat> so most of the dogman cases that were going from the 19, you know, eighties and 1970s, it stayed within those communities. It never got out. Why didn't okay, tell because anybody? He, right. And that, that was the whole thing. You know, you talked to my neighbors, but it never left that area. Well, when I'm doing my research now in Dogman, going in, you know, to two thousands, well, I'm finding out more and more that, you know, uh, like 45 minutes from me is a town uh, called Germantown, Ohio, and they have what they call the Germantown Werewolf. Well, they've had sightings and all kinds of encounters since the 1970s, and they called it the Butter Street Monster at the time. So and this is something that stayed in the community. Same thing like up in Akron. You know, they're, the dogman stuff that's going on in Akron has been there since the 70s. It's just it stayed within that community. Now people are being more open and letting, you know, these stories out, and you're getting a lot more information now. 
but like I said, you know, uh, the eighties and nineties, it just stayed there. It never, never came out. Well, yeah, we, we had a lady on, and I think you have talked to her who had an experience. What was it in 72 too? Oh yeah. Predated. Yeah. Way predated there near Germantown. Cause she said, yeah, she said she had, <clears throat> when she started, she hadn't told anybody till she came on our show. And I was like, that's 40 some, she's 60 years old. Well, she's older than that. Yeah, sixty something. Yeah, you know, and 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 that's what she said. Well, well and, and it goes back to, to who are you supposed to tell. Well, it goes back to one of the reasons why we started our podcast in the first place was when I had my experience, I didn't tell anybody what I saw for fear of being made fun of, roasted, mm-hmm. uh, called a liar, called an idiot, you know, you, you know, just being made sport of, and. Because, you know, the Travel Channel and, and all these shows has made cryptids socially acceptable. You know, right. oh, you saw a Bigfoot. No, nobody, well, maybe you did, maybe you didn't, maybe you thought you should. But nobody would call you an, a, a nut or anything like that. You know, mainstream media source, you know, TV and, and movies has has made Bigfoot in vogue. And, and so now, we, you know, now is the time when, when Grover and I decided to do the podcast. Like, look, now let, let's open this up, give people who have been hiding in the shadows, shall we say, and not telling their stories, give them a chance to come out and have a forum to, to come out and start telling right. people. Yeah. And like, like we said before, we even went on and you referenced that some government agencies are wanting to know what you know because maybe people are telling you stuff that they're not telling the government agencies well and that was kind of the judge's re- reason if i can come out and right. tell tell my story right. and i'm a judge i right. get i got i'm up right. for re-election anybody should feel free right to, to be able to tell tell their story and not right because let me tell you so when i was when i was when i was a kid and this happened last thing i was going to do is pick up the phone and call the how department of natural resources <laughs> yeah. and say hey you're not gonna believe what i saw out here you know <laughs> i don't even yeah i mean i doubt in the 80s they would have taken a report they would have said yeah whatever kid quit smoking well, they, you know they 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 the DNR knows everything. I mean, our, our, the Ohio DNR knows. I mean, I wrote them under Freedom of Information, and they sent me a letter denying my request, which is, a, you know, it, it's against the law. You cannot deny a federal, or, you know, a Freedom of Information Act request. I mean, hell, when, you know, when I wrote the um, FBI on Bigfoot, you know, they sent me like 22 documents. This is back in the 80s. Sent me like 22 blacked out documents. But they, it says in the letter there that there's 2,000 plus documents that are classified on Bigfoot. <laughs> so, but, you know, like I said, just, oh, yeah, yeah. And it, it, that's kind of a neat thing, too, because here, here's the thing. Um, and I actually talked to the FBI because the guy, when he sent the letter to me, he says, if you have any questions, here's my name and number. So I called him and I said, you know, you, you sit there and say you had 2,000 classified documents. I mean, is the FBI searching for Bigfoot? And he laughed and he goes, no. And he goes, let me explain to you. (laughs) (laughs) No, he goes, "Um, that's not what our job is. But he said, what you have to understand is, you know, when when you have an ongoing investigation, he goes, FBI agents are very thorough when they do the report. Okay. If they saw a ladybug on something, they're going to say, I I saw a ladybug on it. Okay. They're that thorough when they do the report. So he says, you know, when they're on an investigation, if they saw Bigfoot or something like that, it's in the document. So that information is classified because it may be an ongoing investigation or it may even be, 
you know, a classified area or we're just protecting the names of the agents because they do undercover work. So that's, that's why they have 2000 classified documents because either, you know, those particular reasons, not because they're trying to, you know, collect data on Bigfoot. They can care less about Bigfoot, to be honest with you. It's just, you know, they, they have um, some very, you know, other, it, you know, things they deal with, you know, um, other well, than Bigfoot. They, what's you it know, take for the FBI, though, to get involved in a Bigfoot in missing person? Well, well, let, let, well, give me an example. Um, Ruby Ridge. Everybody knew about Ruby Ridge. What happened there? Okay, well, there was a Bigfoot. One of the snipers had a Bigfoot in his sight there at Ruby Ridge. That was basically, I guess, monitoring the, the area and seeing what was going on. Well, in, in one of the FBI reports, you know, talked about that. You know, he, he, he was, you know, following the Bigfoot, you know, in his scope, you know, at Ruby wow. Ridge. So, but there are parts about Ruby Ridge that are still classified, and that particular incident is in the report that's classified. I, you know, I, I've had a lot of FBI. You know, I talked to a lot of people from the FBI. And, you know, they told me a lot of stuff. It's you know, it, it's like you said, it's kind of like this. You know, if they're out getting ready to do a drug bust out in the woods or something like that for federal reasons, because you know they're doing tra- child trafficking or you know you know, gun run or whatever, you know, if they come upon a Bigfoot, you know, it's in the report. If they end up killing one, I, there's actually, you know, I've talked to FBI guys that say there's actually, some of them actually end up killing them, you know, um, on, on different reasons. Uh, one was back in the 1970s when one of the um, uh, Apollo missions were getting, was getting ready to launch there was one out by the rocket on the fence line and they shot and killed it. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. well, when you think about astronaut Steve Austin. But it goes, to, but like I said, it kind of goes to, you know, that kind of stuff. It, it, they're not out looking for it. It's just, when when there's an incident that happens that either, you know, classify they're protecting the individual, Agents' names, you know, uh, the property or whatever, or the case because it's ongoing or whatever purpose. That that's what those two thousand classified documents well, are. Yeah, they don't they don't need to be out looking for it. It seems like they run in. Run well, into did you, it, you know? I don't know if you. If well, yeah, yeah. You, you know, there, there's quite a few cases. You know, um, you know where you hear, not just, you know, I've heard it from other people. Other people have heard it from other FBI guys where incidents have happened. It's not like they wanted to kill it. It's just, it, you know, it was either an incident where they kind of had no choice, you know, to, to take it down. You know, I don't think they would want to do it because, you know, I mean, prior to, you know, Trump's election, I think the FBI was really good people and, and they were very professional on what they did, you know, and the way they handled themselves. But, um, and, and I don't think they would want to do it because the FBI doesn't need that kind of trouble. You know, they have other things they need to be dealing with. Did you see the the David Pilates missing four one one hunters? They was a, his yeah. show. 
Well, there was an you episode, know, there was an incident, I think, where a guy had disappeared in, as an adult, and, and the FBI shows up, and they're like, why is the FBI here for missing adult? They don't investigate missing adults. You know, they investigate you, missing children, but they don't investigate, right. missing, unless it's like a serial killer or something. So we, we, why don't we shift gears a little bit, get to back to the dog man, because we could talk Bigfoot right. for days. So you got fascinated with, with the dog man stuff back in the 80s, and at some point you decided you were going to start the North American Dog Man Project. Right. Um, <clears throat> I was a deputy sheriff <clears throat> before I went into the Army, and um, I was at a seminar in Kentucky, okay, and um, made some friends there, <clears throat> went out uh, to a bar afterwards, and just start talking about, you know, crazy stuff that, you know, happen, you know, on your shift and things like that. And one of them uh, was a Kentucky state trooper. And he goes, and this was in 1987. And he goes, we got uh, called out at this um, uh, park in Kentucky called land between the lakes. There was an incident that happened out there. Uh, a, some type of massacre. This family was killed. And um, they're saying, you know, you know, everybody was saying it's, it's, you know, it's the beast and the beast is, you know, this werewolf and everybody knew about this thing down there. He even heard stories about it prior to, um, you know, him actually being called out there, you know, for this particular incident. I'm like, man, this is interesting, you know? So I'm like, I got to go down and check this place out. So I met him and we went down there. And he showed me, because this was the area that it happened. You know, this is where, you know, uh, the mobile home was, or the RV, rather. <clears throat> this is where, you know, the bodies were. Um, and, you know, this is where the little girl was. They found the little girl up in the tree. And, I mean, it was just really crazy stuff. Um, and I'm like, man, this is something you, you know, I got to look into. And I kind of, you know, was doing it off and on when I was doing the Bigfoot stuff. And then, like I said, um, the Bigfoot stuff was really dying down, and then it, it feels getting real political. So I'm like, you know, this dogman stuff is, like, really interesting. There's something to it. And, <clears throat> excuse me, it just kind of drew me to it. So I decided to do that, and I just fell in love with it. In about 2006, I started North American Dogman Project. I didn't go online or got real heavy on social media with it until, like, 2016, because I, I, I was one of these people that I, you know, if I can't produce the evidence in a Bigfoot or Dogman court, should I produce it on social media or on my website? You know, could I persuade a jury with it? You know, because the field, there's so many trolls and stuff in the field. You know, it, it's just, you know, crazy, just, you know, with all the people out there just giving bad, um, uh, comments and things like that. And you just get tired of it. So that's why I never went online and never did anything like 2006. And so I started the organization and then we're getting reports in all these different States. And then all these people are like, you know, I like, I love your organization. I want to help out. Okay. That's cool. You, you can be our, you know, state representative, get your team up. And it just went wildfire. We, we, you know, we got, uh, chapters and, you know, Canada, the United States, South America, Australia, New Zealand. We have it in India. We have them in Africa. We have them all in Europe, the UK. It, you know, it, it just it, it blew up, and we're getting stuff all over the world from different 
you know, people of different sightings. Like the Europeans, you know, they, they call it a werewolf. They don't call it a dog man. <clears throat> they call it a werewolf. Same thing in New Zealand and Australia. They call it a werewolf. Um, <clears throat> there are uh, the reports we're getting out in India. You know, these were guys that are, you know, former military that were seeing them on the border with China. And they were killing their troops and they were killing Chinese. And, he, and he, you know, the guy was explaining, he says, you know, this was part of the conflict that's going on with our border. Is they, you know, the Chinese thinking we're doing it, we're thinking the Chinese are doing it, and then we figure it out. It's not the Chinese, the Chinese figured it out it was us, and it's this type of werewolf that, that's, you know, killing our troops along the border. And uh, so, I mean, we're getting like all kinds of neat stuff like this. And, you know, like you said, uh, we're getting stuff from uh, military people, you know, about the subject. They've seen them on the battlefields of Afghanistan and Iraq by Canadian U- and, you know, U.S. troops. Uh, it's just, it's, it's crazy. Well, it's interesting you say that because when, when I was on Wes's show, Sasquatch Chronicles, he was telling me that Dogman was, was sightings date all the way back to Mesopotamia. Which mm-hmm. Mesopotamia is, you know, between the Tigris and the Euphrates River, which is, which is, you know, Iraq and that mm-hmm. area and that, that whole Middle East. So, you know, all, you know, that, the, the Mesopotamians were seeing dogmen long before the Egyptians adopted Anubis in that image. Right. When I, I was in Iraq, um, I was in Iraq in 2003. I was there for the invasion. <laughs> and um, we were talking with some of the Iraqi troops and stuff that were there. You know, I would talk with them, and they would, you know, would tell me that, you know, in, through their history, there was a tribe of what they called dog-headed men that back in Mesopotamia they would trade with, um, you know, just different things, um, you know, clothing, food, you know, jewels, just whatever. And they were able to communicate by language. And he said they were dogs that, you know, they were human with dog heads. You know, so we knew that, you know, back in Mesopotamia, that there was a tribe of dog-headed men. Now, the Vikings talk about it, having battles with them. Um, the um, uh, Europeans talk about it going all the way. The Germans talk about it going back into, you know, um, oh, what was that one? Um, well, the Grim Fairy Tales. The Brothers yeah. Grim Fairy Tales, they talk about things that happened in the Black Forest. There was, there were these werewolf-type right. creatures that ran on two legs. Obviously, right. I, I've got a Riding Hood story based on it. Right. I've got a uh, drawing from a um, newspaper in 18, not 18, um, 1731 out of Germany. And how they did it was, you know, they, they did the carving, they put the ink on it, and it made the impression. And the werewolf, I mean, this is a straight Van Helsing-style werewolf, this drawing is. And this was something that came into one of these towns in Germany, you know, in the 1700s. Oh, my. So, it, that, you know, very interesting. Uh, and like I said, I actually have a copy of it, uh, you know, where, where it shows it. Uh, very interesting. Yeah, so that's fascinating. So, so dog man, we, we use the term dog man, but bipedal canine creatures have been around since the cradle of civilization, the beginning of man. Right. They have, right. They're, they're internationally, they're on battlefields, they're doing all this stuff. They're an international phenomenon. But the average, 
you know, swing encrypted guy knows almost nothing about it. Yeah, yeah. Or believes right. that it's such a fantastical right. idea. That that, they, that, yeah, well, I'll believe in Bigfoot, but I'm not going to believe in a dog. Man. Right, but the thing of it is werewolves is, some, is, is like vampires. It's a mystical creature. It's, it's something we all grew up, you know, in movies. And that's why it's kind of hard for a lot of people to believe that these things exist. You know, um, you go down Louisiana, okay, um, the it, it's all the Lugaru, but, you know, there's different areas of Louisiana that, you know, that's controlled by vampires, and there's areas that are controlled by werewolves, okay? And they kill each other. It, it's very well known, you know, but when the, the, the werewolves, when I say werewolves, I'm talking like people who believe that they're werewolves. Do they transform? Who knows, okay? But, you know, you have that culture in Louisiana, so um, you you have all kinds of different type of folklores that, you know, people grew up on, you know, in, in especially in like small little communities. But when it comes to dog, man, werewolf, you know, it, it, it's a little bit harder to bite with a lot of people. You know, they know they, they want to believe it, but they kind of don't want to believe it. Because if you look at Bigfoot or dog, man, okay. This is the thing that goes bump in the night, okay, but he bites. That's the difference. Well, I think the big difference is I think it's easier for someone to wrap their head around the fact that there is a great ape that did not go extinct and is still roaming the woods in the Pacific Northwest. And, 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 mm-hmm. and they don't it, normally seem very threatening. They don't seem very threatening. They normally don't But it's an ape. It's, 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 it's an ape, and, and it's just undiscovered ape. But to, to take the leap to saying, look, there is a bipedal wolf that runs around on two feet that is a werewolf per se, because the, the whole werewolf genre is, is predicated on the fact that, you know, and, and I know that some of the Lugaroo stuff is this way, is that you take a human being and they're going to metamorphose into a wolf. And I think that is very difficult for people to swallow is it look the, the the you know from a physiological standpoint how would the, someone's bone structure muscle structure they're going to just change you know magically into a wolf and I, right. so I think and, that's and hard it, to swallow. Yeah, it's totally impossible for transformation. Um, and, and and I think a lot of people that's part of the reason why people don't do don't think about that. But if you look at you know dogman the way I do, I, I think that this is a species that has always been here, just like Bigfoot. But it was, you know, the numbers were not that great. You know, uh, the population, I believe, has gone up. But you, you re, why are we having a lot more sightings? Well, we're having a lot more sightings because we're going into their territory, you know, building homes, building communities. Um, Urban sprawl. You know, yeah. Urban, you know, urban sprawl. And the thing of it is about predators, okay, and most animals in general, they don't leave their their area, you know, unless the food source is gone, um, you know, or if there's some type of environmental catastrophe, you know, or something to that effect. The water's gone, food's gone, forest fires, things like that. They basically stay in the same area humans are the same way most humans you know we we stay within you know a 10 mile radius 
uh, where we're born. You know, only time we leave is either through financial, you know, uh, with a job or, you know, we, we had to end up leaving because we lost our home, you know, something to that effect. But, you know, most people, you know, they stay within, you know, the 10-mile the radius of where they live. Animals are the same way. Sure. So <clears throat> I think that brings us to to important segue. <clears throat> From my experience when I when I was a teenager – I believe what I saw was a physical creature. That's what I believe. And then we had Linda Godfrey on the show, and we started talking, and and she throws out at us a whole different idea that Dogman is a supernatural creature that can be flesh and blood, but it's a supernatural mm-hmm. creature, and it has a direct correlation to Indian burial grounds. And so what she right. did, and so what she did was. She took uh, a dog man sighting and gridded it, and then she gridded uh, Native American burial sites, and when she transposed them, they lined up perfectly. So that right. had and me and Grover thinking, and so I went back to Temple Road, which is where I had my dog man sighting a few miles from where we're at right now, and sure, sure as heck, within 300 yards is an Indian burial ground. And so then that right. started a- the whole thinking that, wait a minute, what are these things? Right, because here where I live, we have one on our street in someone's front yard. There, there's an Indian barrel ground. He's not allowed to mow it or anything. Um, the, the you know state has to come in and maintain that area. And where was this siding that we had? You know, within you know a hundred yards of where this um, barrel ground is, and we're seeing that all over the country. But also, what we we went even further than that. What we did was we wrote um, the U.S. Forestry Service and a couple other DNRs about information on bear attacks and seasonal bear attacks. So we lined up dogman reports in these particular areas where they were bear attacks. Now, a bear attack, a dogman attack on a human or an animal can very be confused with a bear and can be easily covered up by a bear. Because the five claws, the way the animal or the human was killed, you know, all the, it's bear country, so it's easy to sit there and say it was bear. Okay, sure. so it so it lined up. So these reports of dogman sightings lined up perfectly where bear attacks took place. Oh my! So yeah, so that was that was really interesting. So we were contacted by a veterinarian for the U.S. Uh, Forestry Service. And, you know, she was telling us that, you know, something is digging bears out of hibernation and killing them. What? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, I, they don't know what it is, but it's digging the bears up. I mean, she's talking grizzly bears. She's finding grizzly bears with their backs snapped. Oh, my. Oh, man. Okay, and he said there is nothing that can snap a grizzly bear's back. Nothing. Okay, maybe another grizzly bear. Okay, a grizzly but, bear would be hibernating. <laughs> right. Yeah. So they're finding right. bear, they're gr- finding bears that should be hibernating. They're finding their their bodies with their with their back snapped. Are they finding them like half eaten or? No, they're finding them. Whatever doing it is killing them. 
Okay. For, so the, for territorial so reasons. Probably for territorial reasons. There's no other reason because they're not eating them. You know, they're not even, they're not even, you know, some, um, like there's some cubs, they, um, that the cubs were killed, you know, uh, but nothing was eaten. You, they, you can see where the den was dug up. Okay. And the bears were killed. Which would and show a level like of intelligence because you wouldn't want to fight a grizzly bear when it's fully nourished during this normal season. Right. You'd wait till it was weakened Correct. and then it's dead. Right. So would it be Bigfoot? No, I don't think it would be Bigfoot because I don't think a bear is a threat to Bigfoot. I, I truly believe that. I believe they've had confrontations, okay? But I've heard too many stories uh, from people that seen bears run from Bigfoot. And I actually talked to one uh, guy from the U S forestry service that sat and told me, uh, he goes, I'm, I'm, I'm laying on the ground. I'm in some bush line. I'm looking at some elk. I'm doing research. Okay. There's, there's an elk standing right there. Real beautiful. Um, uh, no, I'm, excuse me. Let me rephrase. That. It was a moose. My bad. It was a moose. And it was, he was, he was sitting there grazing. He said, all of a sudden a Bigfoot comes out, grabs the moose, snaps his neck, boom, went down. Okay. Wow. Another Bigfoot, another Bigfoot comes out. Okay. They're getting ready to pick this moose up. He said, a grizzly bear comes out. So a grizzly bear wants that elk or wants that moose. He said that Bigfoot jumped on this bear and, just, and, and he snapped his neck or did something, but he killed the grizzly bear instantly he said one bigfoot picked up the moose walked off with it and the other one picked up the bear so that tells me that bigfoot that is powerful <laughs> oh yeah uh, yeah this, this guy was terrified i mean he goes you know he he <laughs> peed himself you know <laughs> yeah. yeah so why yeah. do people so, why do people go out in the woods looking for bigfoot without high-powered rifles well, the, see, the thing is, uh, the U.S. Forestry Service never carried weapons until the 1970s, okay? Um, now, there's an incident that happened at um, um, uh, Smoky Mountains, okay, about the little boy that came up missing. Mm-hmm. I can't think of the, the kid's name at the top of my um, – it was just right at the top of my tongue, but I can't remember it now. But there was a little boy that was um, camping there with his family. He was playing with the neighbor – kids that were camped next door um the kid came up missing two kids came back they don't know what happened to the kids okay so they call um the rangers are out there looking for this kid um the fbi shows up because now you have a missing kid and so no one knows so to this day the fbi still has a 250 uh or 2500 reward for any information on this kid Okay, to this day, and his name, last name's Martin. So now the FBI ended up talking with another group of family that was hiking that said that they saw Bigfoot carrying a child. Oh, my. Okay, so the FBI never told the family that particular incident that, you know, because they said it was irrelevant. Okay. So the what's kind of, so they sent in the U.S. Special Forces, okay, to look for this child. You can't use U.S. military um, on, you know, 
you know, you're not, you're not allowed on to be missing used. Person's case. Yeah, on a missing person or anything like that. Now, the stuff that's going on in Washington, that's a different case. But, but to bring in U.S. Special Forces, okay, so when this incident happened, Rangers never carried firearms because a one week prior to that incident, a Ranger was attacked and nearly killed by Bigfoot. So that's why they carry weapons. Okay, so to get back to the story, the FBI agent that handled that case committed suicide. Really? So that's still an on yeah, still an ongoing case. Now, when I wrote the FBI under Freedom of Information Act, they sent me seven files. Okay, serial one, serial two, serial three, four, five, six, seven, and each serial has reports in it. Well. Serial four was missing. Okay, I got all of them, and it, and it says serial four uh, information missing. So I asked the FBI, why is that missing? Where, where's that information at? And he goes, we don't know. It probably got destroyed in sterilization or whatever. We don't know. Okay, so I believe serial four had information about that incident. So he spent sent the special forces in. Yeah, sent, yeah. Now Dave Pilati talks about that in one of his four one one books. I've heard I've heard that story there that you're talking. Yeah. About. yeah. So to go back to what you're saying, you know, now they do carry they carry weapons, they carry firearms, so they do protect themselves. See, you the stories that you're telling me, and I've been saying this through multiple shows. I don't want to go out looking for Bigfoot because I think it's an apex predator that'll that'll kill you. And you get all these people out there, oh, I'm going to go hunting Bigfoot, I'm going to get tenting, and I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm like, why would you do that? I mean, I wouldn't want to do that for a grizzly bear. I mean, how many people would say, you know what, let's go out and look for grizzly bears and not take a gun with us, and let's go ahead and do some, some, some tree knocks or that version to lure a grizzly bear in. And why don't we just why don't we just leave our food laying out by our tents to have a bear come? Yeah. So, I mean, nobody would do that. And 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 Bigfoot, if I mean, from all accounts, is 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 more clever, more intelligent, and and more lethal than a grizzly bear. Why why would exactly. anybody in the right mind do this? And and then you throw right. in and same obviously the same with dogman situation. And I still to this day can't figure out with my dog being experience what it was doing with me, why it didn't just come out and grab me, catch me, because it clearly could have. Well, the thing it is about predators, predators won't kill or attack if they're not hungry. Okay. okay. But we know that dogman is territorial. So, and we know that there's cases that he has killed people. So I want to touch, touch back on that land between the lakes incident. Because that just that story fascinates me. What how did you? How much more research did you do into that? And what? what oh, well, dude, for, let me tell you. Well, for some of our listeners that aren't quite familiar with the story, yeah. briefly give us the background on the land between the lakes, because I know there's some of our listeners that, that don't know what it is. Okay, in the, in 1963, John F. Kennedy booted everybody out of that area. I made made everybody leave. And where's okay. this area at in Kentucky? I'm sorry. Well, I was trying to. Uh, it's it, Kentucky. <laughs> K- K- oh, Kentucky. I know where it's at. And we Tennessee. have smart listeners. They heard the first time when he said. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's it's just between Kentucky and Tennessee. So uh, Kennedy moved everybody out and made it a national reserve, 
recreation center. So no one knows why they did it. The people were mad. Cemeteries are still there. Okay, so the people still come in and, and visit their, their loved ones. But um, there's bunkers that's built all around there. And no one knows why these bunkers are there. They're, they're concrete bunkers. Um, some of them have no doors whatsoever, no windows, and some just have a door. So no one knows why these bunkers were there for whatever reason. So they knew something, something was in that park. Uh, the people, the residents knew that there was something there long before Land Between the Lakes actually became a recreation uh, you know, um, uh, area. So um, people start going, they're camping there, you know, having good times. People are seeing stuff. Well, sometime between 1982 and 1983, a family was um, going there uh, camping. They're in the camping area. The uh, mother and the son was outside uh, the camper. The little girl was inside. The father was by where the hitch was. So this is kind of the controversy thing about the story. So some people say it was an RV hauling a car and some people say it was a car hauling a camper so uh, it just depends on who you hear the story was the um the but all the police officers are there told me it was a car hauling a camper so this thing came out killed the father the mother and the little boy ran inside locked themselves in it went towards the uh, the mother and the son was busting through the um, uh, door, got the door open. Mother got between the mother, uh, between, you know, it and the little boy, killed the mother, killed um, the little boy. Now, put the little girl into the back room, locked her back there. Well, I guess she must have been crying. It went back there and got the child. She was smaller, so I guess that was easier to get away with. So uh, they found the little girl, um in a tree half eaten about 40 yards away. Well, how it came about was there was another family that was coming up, saw the bodies, went out and reported it to the police. The police showed up, um, different jurisdictions showed up, uh, different counties, uh, coroner showed up. So it was a whole disarray of people there, okay? So this is, you're getting bits and pieces from different people that were there because not everybody was privy to what was going on because you had people that were there on site when it happened, you know, right, you know, first there. And then you have people that were coming in after it happened and hearing what was going on and seeing what they were able to see and not seeing what they were able to see. So, um, this, this is how the story went. So, um, everybody knew about the massacre at land between the lakes. So, um, that was like the biggest thing for like years. That I first heard about it in 1987. Because so, you actually talked to one of the troopers that were there on site. Right. I talked to six of them that were there. And all six within, from 1987 to uh, 2015, I talked to six of them. And all six took me all to the same spot where it happened. Oh, geez. So they... Okay. Okay. So that... <laughs> yeah. Everybody yeah. was in agreement, yes. Right. So everybody was in agreement. So about two years ago, um, I, did a, I did a podcast, and there was this girl that was listening to the podcast, and 
you know, I gave out information how to get a hold of me if anybody wants to talk about their dogman story. So the girl sent me an email saying, you know, um, you know, I'm very much in this subject. I knew about it uh, as a kid. My father talked about it to it, but we weren't allowed to talk about it because there was an incident that happened, and my father wants to talk about it. Uh, he's dying of stage four cancer, so he wants to tell a story. So I talked to him on the phone, and I said, okay, cool. I'll, I'll drive down to Kentucky. You know, I'll interview you. Uh, part of this stipulation was I'm not allowed to show his face. Um, in the interview uh, for the safety of his children. Okay, so the guy verifies, you know, that he worked for the, um, uh, at the time it was called Kentucky Fish and Game. Um, he worked for them, um, showed, you know, his retirement ID card, showed me, you know, uh, tax forms, showed me uh, his LES forms, um, you know, everything, you know, wars, citations, everything, verifying who he was and who he worked for. So um, he goes, in 1979, I was off. And, um, you know, I've been down LBL, you know, a lot. Um, I stocked some fish down there, <coughs> excuse me, in, in some areas and so forth. So um, it's some of the best fishing. So he went down there fishing. Okay, about 4.30 in the morning, he's down there. <coughs> so he's fishing to about 7, 7.30. There's a fog that starts to rise and stuff, so he decides he's going to go ahead and leave. The fishing was bad. So he didn't want to go out further into the water because with the fog, he was afraid he might have got hit um, by another boat, and he's just in a small little boat with a little engine on it. So he's going along the shoreline. So um, it's getting lighter, and he's, um, he sees a camp spot off to his left, and he sees the tent. He sees, like, a pickup truck some lawn chairs, um, you know, cooler things like that that's sitting out at the campsite. So then he sees something on the opposite side of the tent, and he thought it was a horse because it was on all fours. So as he's getting closer, he's seeing what this thing is because it stands up. So he's, he said, man, this thing, you know, was huge, um, had arms like a human, legs like a dog, had high pointed ears. It had a snout, but he said the face kind of looked like a hyena, not so much like a, a dog, but it gave the appearance of a dog. Okay. And he, and he said it was standing on two legs. And he said, at that time, these two people, this young couple is coming out of the tent and he's yelling at them, look over there, look behind you, look behind you. And they're looking at him because it's early morning, this waking up, they don't know what this guy's doing, talking about. And he said, all of a sudden, this thing just pounces these two people, and he's ripping. It's killing them, ripping them. And I'm, I'm sitting there in my boat watching this happen. He goes, I end up urinating on myself. Scared me that bad. He says, you know, I passed out, and my boat, you know, end up going off on you know some shoreline further down. And he, he said, I was out probably for about an hour. It, 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 it terrified him that bad. Wow. That, yeah, he saw that this killed this family, or these two people. So um, he goes, I didn't report it. And I go, why didn't you? I, I mean, I got this interview on tape, okay? And um, I said, well, you know, why didn't you report it? He goes, they either would have killed me or I would have lost my job or they would have ruined my life because everybody knew there was something there 
everybody knew that, you know, people were being attacked. You know, animals were coming up missing. People were coming up missing. And they knew it was this thing here. And they were told never to talk about it, never report it. So um, he goes, I, I was reading through newspapers the next couple of days to see if there was a bear attack down there or a big cat attack. Um, he was just, you know, talking to people about, Hey, you know, anything new, exciting, any rumors, you know, just trying to see if anything came by. And he says, it was, it was dead. I mean, no one talked about it. He goes, I go back to that area a few months later and the campsite's gone. It's all trees there. They planted trees in that area and they put a berm up on the road to block the road. So he gave us the exact location where it happened. So we actually went down there and the berm and the blocking that road is still there. And what they did was they put the trees, they put planted trees there and the trees weren't that big because, you know, it, it takes a long time for trees to grow. And this is 1979. So that's what, you know, almost 30 years. So trees don't grow that they, they get big, but they don't get humongous in 30 years. So, um, what they did was they cut the shoreline. So where there's like two foot drop of beach now from where the area where the campsite was. So that whole area where the campsite actually sat was all dug up and moved. So let me ask you this. Why the secrecy? Why, why, I mean, why, if there's, I mean, why not just say, hey, listen, there's something out there, there's a predator, we're going to get it, we're going to bring in a big game hunter, we're going to shoot it, everybody chill. Why the secrecy? I think it's for the control factor. One, it's a control factor, and two, it's a loss of revenue. Okay, but here's the thing. When I was talking with, the, the people at LBL won't talk about this, and why they're on property. When you're off property, they'll talk about it. And I talked to someone down at LBL um, that was within the commission area. Okay, so they were some of the high people of the of the park there. And I said to them, you know, if you want this to go away, monetize it. Okay, get T-shirts, get little stuff, animals, do storytelling, get it out there. Okay, you're going to have a lot of people coming. You're going to make some money, and Sooner or later, people are going to say, you know what, there's nothing to it. They're just trying to make money off of it, and it's going to go away. Same thing happened at Salt Fork State Park. Okay, Salt Fork State Park got smart. They monetized Bigfoot being there, and it stopped the people from actually, you know, going out to the field a lot. Now they have a Bigfoot conference they did every year to make money off of it, and but you didn't have the people searching for Bigfoot there as you did prior to them monetizing it. You see what I'm saying? So, and that's why I try to explain, that's why I try to explain to them, you know, they have a little outside, um, when you first get into LBL, there's a little outside theater. I said, sit there and tell the ghost stories, tell the stories of the beast laying laying between the lakes. Okay. Monetize it and it will go away. By the way, I just looked up on, on Google maps Land between the lakes. Holy smokes. It's a huge area. It's a huge area. And I'm going to tell you right now, if there was something out there, good luck finding it. I mean, it is, it is, I mean, I never knew that this, I mean, was this vast. 
not to I mean, mention it probably can make its own den, and oh. you would walk right by and not even know oh, it. And the the amount of yeah. shoreline that because you have the different you know the fingers of the, the lakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is. I mean, for a, a apex predator like this thing, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you you'd never find it. if it didn't want to be found. You could never. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's not going to be found. And you know the the thing about it, um, you know, like I said, the area is just huge. Now I'm working with the network right now. We're actually going to go and do a two hour special with the Travel Channel um, on Land Between the Lakes on the beach of Land Between the Lakes. Now, are you going yeah, to go out so that, and, and tr- will they let somebody go out and actively? search for for this thing well the the networks is in talks with the park right now um to to do it you know because um they're very they frown on people filming out there you know um i mean when we were there filming our documentary that we did online between the lakes they harassed us big time i mean literally harassed us they were following us around, um, seeing what we were doing. Um, they were in our tents looking at our stuff while we were gone, you know, f- you know, filming. I mean, it was, it was nuts, you know? So, you know, I, I told the networks, I said, you know, you're going to have to deal with them in a way that, you know, um, you're not going to get them. You're not going to enter. No one's there at that park's going to interview for the show. You know, they're going to let you go in there. They're going to let you go to certain areas um, and just get in there, do what we got to do and, and get out and we'll get it together by that. You know, what needs to be put in there with the witnesses and so forth. So I don't know. Um, so it's have to wait and see what happens. Though, Jody, is that I, I have read things where people say this is this is an urban legend. It never happened. It's a hoax. These people, it's a made up story. Mm-hmm. And you've talked to six law enforcement officers who were there. Mm-hmm. So how about the oh, yeah, fact and, that they, they've tried to control the narrative by just saying, well, this is a hoax. It never happened. Well, well here's the thing. Um, uh, there's a woman um, who was a teenager, at the, not teenager, she was in her 20s, rather, at the time it happened. She personally knows two of the police, the first uh, two police officers that showed up on scene. She knows them personally. You know, uh, and they told her the story. Um, Barton Nutley, he's another researcher uh, for Land Between the Lakes. He's talked to numerous law enforcement officers that's been there. Uh, If this is a hoax, it's a well-coordinated hoax with a lot of law enforcement that's involved taking the time and money to talk to us. Okay, yeah. there's just no way that this is a fairy tale. It never existed because the way that um, Land Between the Lakes acts about this subject, deals with people, shows that there's something there. It proves that there's something there and something happened. You know, when, when we went in our documentary, we went into the Welcome Center and they asked us why we were there. Um, you know, are we here, you know, visiting for the day? Are we camping? What are we doing? And we go, no, we're camping. We need to uh, purchase some campsites. We're doing a documentary on the piece of land between the lakes. And the girl like looked at us with this serious face. And one that was standing next to her went into the back room, called the Rangers on us. Oh, 
Yeah, yeah. So they're they're welcoming. Yeah. So right. So they're well. They're told to do that. They're told if anybody comes in and talks about it, they're they're to call the you know the Rangers right away. You know. I I still don't understand why don't they bring in? Why don't you bring in some of the best hunters in the world? Send them out there. Take this thing out. Because obviously, if we, if we think about it as a biological creature, there's more than one of them. Because there's, there's more than really... one. But but seeing the the thing of it is, you know, um, how can I say it? I don't want the thing killed to be proven that it exists. Okay, and the the you know if you send a hunter in there, you know, a, a well trained hunter is going up against a better well trained hunter. Mm-hmm. Okay, that can see at night, that can stalk, move silently, you know. Sense the smell know, better. Sense the smell better, yeah. everything. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's useless. I mean, you would literally have to send an army in there, you know, with thermal imaging, night vision, you know, and, you know, just do a complete sweep of the area and move it in, move them into one location. You know, and, and you're going to end up, getting people hurt or killed. Oh, in yeah, the there'll still be a lot of casualties. It definitely, you know, so it, it, it defeats the purpose. So, you know, the best thing for them to do is wait for one of their people to do it. You know, then there's lots of stories that, you know, there are people who have gone out there and, and killed one or two, mm-hmm. you know, even Bigfoot, you know, um, uh, you know, there's there's Bigfoot at uh, LBL, and there's in the road. I'm trying to think. Is the 68? I think it's 68 that separates uh, north and south of um, LBL, and the dogmen are all on the north, and Bigfoots are all on the south. So they, we'll have you know, Field McCoy actually, yeah, type thing. I got yeah. a little, I got one question because I know that you spoke with a lot of uh, three letter three letter agency named uh, uh, trained mm-hmm. individuals. Um, when they've accidentally or purposefully uh, killed one of these here things, be it a Bigfoot or a Dogman, what happens to the corpse? I mean, do scientists come in? Are they, like, studying oh, these things? I'm sure they do. Um, you know, it, it gets turned over, you know, to somebody. You know, uh, right. I, I'm, I'm, you know, you know, you remember that movie, um, Iceman Cometh? Yeah. yeah. And they, they found the and, and they put him in that facility, and he never knew that he was in a facility because it was just so big and, you know, they, they were able to change the environment and things like that. You know, do we have those for Bigfoot and dog, man? I'm sure we do. I'm sure they, they, they have a live Bigfoot more than one, probably a live dog man somewhere in some facility, somewhere, um, figuring a way how they can weaponize it. And, mm-hmm. and I use that very strongly because maybe that's Scott Air Force Base. Maybe that's why they right. show up on the battlefield some places. Right. Because Scott Air Force Base is in possession of the actual bed from the exorcist. Okay. So why does the Air Force have the bed from the original exorcist case, which was a boy and not a girl? Right. Okay. So so why does the Air Force have that hidden? Okay. Other than trying to weaponize it. Yeah. You're right. Okay. You know, so the military, whatever they can weaponize, you know, they're going to weaponize it. Okay. Wow. <laughs> you know, uh, and, you know, and, and you know, they can get. And the exorcist is one of the last things you'd think. Yeah, you, i got to be yeah, honest. It's, it's, like Nazis, it's like the Nazis, you know. Yeah, trying to mm-hmm. find the, the, the lost Ark of the Covenant. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but, you know, the thing of it is, you know, uh, we live in a strange world. God knows, I mean, you know, what our government is in possession of. You know, what's in possession at the Pentagon behind some of those big safes, you know, safe doors and, and stuff. You know, we, we just don't know, you know, what they're in possession of. You know, if, like I said, if they can if they can take an apex predator like a dog man and use it on the battlefield, you know, uh, by putting a chip in it to control it, I'm sure they'll do it. I mean, look at look what the Russians did. They were trying to, yep. you know, mate gorillas mm-hmm. with humans to make a super soldier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who's to say you know, they're and, not trying to splice the genes of a Bigfoot or a dog man with uh, common human DNA? Well, you know, I mean, they can grow a human's hair on the back of a mouse. Yes. You know, yeah. so who, I mean, I, I, I'm sure they're, they, they've done it or they're trying it. You know, um, there's so many black projects out there, you no, know. No, it's incredible. So, yeah, Jay, it, you're, it, you you're know. going to, so, what, so if, I, if I had to say what camp you're in, you're in the camp that, that Dogman is a physical, biological creature that could be captured, could be kept in a cage. And I think where Linda Godfrey is coming from is that this is a supernatural creature. Although it can appear in flesh and blood, it's a multidimensional being. Well, I, I agree with her, right? Um, I, I I can't honestly say that it. I, I think it's a flesh and blood, okay? But I know it, there's, you know, um, supernatural about it, and I know there's extraterrestrial about it, okay? So it. If anything, it's all three. Okay. okay. Um, the reason why I say extraterrestrial is back in, oh, 2000, was it 2015, I was at a conference. And the conference was held in a hotel that had a restaurant and a bar. So after the conference, we, everybody went to the restaurant and bar to get something to eat. Um, I went up to the bar to get um, something to drink. There was a guy sitting there. Uh, he, he was asking, you know, what, what's, going, what's going on here, you know, at the hotel? I'd say all kinds of crazy stuff, and i say, it's a paranormal conference. And he goes, you know, ghost hunting and stuff like that. And I go, yeah. He goes, you a ghost hunter? I go, no. You know, um, I'm, I gave a lecture on uh, Bigfoot and Dogman. And he, he's looking at me. And he goes, Dog Man. And I go, yeah. And um, he goes, tell me about Dog Man. <laughs> so I, I was telling him about it. So he was, mili- um, you know, military. I'm, you know, guy had, you know, with the tattoos, military tattoos and stuff. Right. Um, we're sitting there talking. We talked about the different bases we were on, different areas of the base. So I knew this guy was military because he would never know some of the stuff that we talked about unless you were in the military on that base. And um, he goes, do you believe in, you know, the dog man stuff? And I go, yeah, I really do. I think there's something to it. And he goes, I'm going to tell you something. Um, you're going to think I'm crazy, but yeah, I've seen them. You know, we, you know, we know about them and so forth. Um, he goes, I am part of um, the military. <laughs> Finish this story. And then I'm going to have, then I'm going to have you talk about, What's going on in Akron? Okay. So go ahead and finish the, right. talking about the dude at the bar. Okay. Right. So he was telling me he was part of a um, black um, 
group, okay, that his job was um, they go and recover down UFOs and alien bodies and so forth. Yeah, he's telling me this. You know, I mean, Sarah's is a heart attack, okay? So um, he said that in the 1970s, the U.S. came across a new species of alien that was canine. And, but they were very hostile. Um, they were predator-type animals. Um, and we ended up getting recovering a craft with four of them alive. And he, um, they said they were so dangerous and so much of a threat because um, they were intelligent, an intelligent species, that they did not keep them in the United States. They kept them in a facility in South America, in Honduras. So they, in this facility, they were able to take over the facility. They were, they killed a few people. They got out. So his team had to go down to South America and take out this, um, this group of dogmen. But he said they wore like a outfit that was kind of like body armor almost, um, uh, kind of like a halo type outfit, the way he, he described it. And um, they had special weapons, you know, that they to kill these animals. And when he killed them, they made like this horrendous, nasty cry when you killed them. But he said they didn't have common sense, but they had intelligence. So that was his job, and they ended up killing them. So that, I thought, okay, you know, that was like a really odd story. I mean, it was like way out there. So I did this conference. Uh, a year later, and I was talking to Linda Goffrey, and I told her about it. And Linda said, Jody, I was told the same story by a different person that was very oh similar. So she, now she nice. talk, ended up talking to another member of that team about the same incident, okay, which I thought was really odd, okay? So um, I get the story from this guy um, in Afghanistan. Um, they were out looking for a U.S. patrol that was missing. Okay, they end up finding the patrol. Um, their just communications were down, so they weren't able to communicate with them. It was in Kandahar Valley. Okay, so they're up in the mountains. So the team's breaking off looking for this other team. So uh, he's going up the side of this mountain, him and this other um, soldier sitting there, and, and he hears screaming. So he told the other guy, stay here and cover my six. I'm going to go up. So he goes up and he's coming over the edge and he's looking over and he goes, I'm telling you, there, there's three insurgents. Two of them are already dead. And these wolves wearing body armor cut this guy in two with this sword. And he said the sword looked like something from the movie Scorpion King. What? The? Okay. Hmm. Yeah. He said he hit the guy from the shoulder going all the way down. And he goes, um, then they start sniffing the air and they're looking around, they're sniffing the air. And the other one patted the other one's hand and like twitched his head like we got to go. And he went behind, you know, this tree and he said this blue flash of light flashes and he doesn't see him anymore. So he said they didn't have a helmet on the body armor. Um, went down to the wrist and right above the ankle. 
So he was able to see the feet like a dog and the tail. And he goes, I'm, I, I kid you not. All right. So one part of this story from the first part of the story, I never told anybody was that guy said that they had these swords that were like a sickle. Okay. Like a now, if you look at it like a side. So if you look at the pictures of Anubis, he's carrying one. Ooh. So, Ooh. yeah. So they, all right. So that's even. So I'm like, okay. So I have two different stories that are, you know, probably what eight years apart, and they're described the same way. Okay. So I we get in contact with this guy, uh, this Canadian soldier who's in Kandahar. Okay. Now they're in a ravine. Okay. They're set up in a defensive position. He said, "There's this wall that kind of went around the um, the city." Okay, he said, "Here's a bunch of kids running, screaming, coming around the corner of this um, uh, ravine, okay, or this this uh, this wall." And um, then a pack of dogs start running, so they're thinking, "Well, the dogs are coming after the kids," so they start shooting the dogs, so the dogs don't get the kids, and then the dogs end up passing the kids. Okay, so um, they see something coming around the edge there. So the guy pops smoke. Okay, and he says, "Out of the smoke was this large wolf." He said it looked like Anubis. He said it had this like skirt, Egyptian style skirt. Okay, and it comes out of the smoke, and they're shooting at the thing, and it's not affecting it at all. You know, and then it goes back into the smoke and it's gone. And, it, it, you know, and that's the way they describe this thing. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. Uh, so and then I um, we talked to a guy from the 82nd Air. Uh, he was special forces attached with the 82nd Airborne um, and Baghdad out of Camp Victory. So he's up on it, you know, on top of a building in a sniper's position, you know, just watching the town. So he sees like two insurgents. Okay, and they're coming out like this alleyway, and they're like looking and pointing and all this stuff. So he has a scope on them. So his spotter says, "Look to the left," and he goes, "There's a huge wolf coming down the road." And the surgeons are getting ready to pull the weapons up, and he said, "This thing gets up on two feet and runs towards him and grabs the two guys, two insurgents, and pulls them back in the alley." And then you hear them scream. And he goes, I, the whole time I had this on my scope, he says, I never seen, and he never said werewolf or anything like that. He says, I never seen a wolf get up and run on two legs and grab two guys and pull them into the alley. He said, that was the strangest thing I've ever seen. So what kind of interesting about this whole thing with the body armor. Okay. So let's go back further. Let's go to star Wars. All right. When George Lucas did star Wars. Now, George Lucas was a Mason. Okay. Everybody who ran um, NASA were Masons. Okay. So George Lucas was able to see things that no one else was able to see for the Star Wars movie. Okay. <clears throat> so, I'll give you a perfect example. Richard Hoagland wrote this book called uh, Dark Mission, and it talks about the uh, Masons involved in NASA and some of the stuff that was covered up that was found on the moon. Well, they found a crash site on the moon, and they found parts of a robot. Well, in his book, he has a colored picture that was released from NASA of the robot's head that looks identical to CP-30. Now, if you Google image, 
Richard Hoagland's Dark Mission robot's head, you'll see the color picture, and you'll see a picture of CP3O's head right next to it, and it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy. Okay, so um, Star Wars, what, came out in... 77. What, 70, 77. 77. Yeah. yeah, so I think it was probably 79. There was a book that came out um, that Lucas films put out on star wars that talked about you know um luke skywalker and all of them you know talked about their equipment and weapons and some of the creatures that were in the bar okay now in that movie he had two werewolves in that bar okay in the movie okay now when they talk about the werewolves there's a drawing a color drawing of the werewolf and the werewolf is wearing body armor that is down to the wrist, that is above the ankle, and I have a colored picture of it that I got from the mag- from the book. And it's, it's identical described to what these soldiers saw in Afghanistan and in South America, to the T. Now, how did he know about a werewolf or a dog, dogman-type creature, okay, when he did Star Wars, okay, and was able to put it in his movie, and as an actual color picture of it, of, of what the thing looked like with the body armor that matches, okay, he had to get that from NASA, and they had to get it from somebody, okay? So, you know, we this, like this one guy said, we got in contact with this species in the early 70s. So it's all kind of like a connection to it, you know, that's kind of odd. So we get this colonel, retired colonel, from the air force contacting us and um you guys you know i love your subject and everything like that but these things are extraterrestrial okay and i said you know can you explain a little bit more and i end up talking to the guy on the phone and um he goes we got in contact with a species of aliens we we we're in contact with different species 25 different species some we trust some we don't this particular species we don't trust okay technology wise okay we're compatible to them in a in a fight okay so that's why they don't screw with us but what they do is they go from planet to planet and they take over civilizations and how they do it they have clones and these clones are these dog-headed soldiers that they send down to the planet to terrorize the planet. They come in and destroy the clones and save the planet. So now they're friends. So they infiltrate into their government, infiltrate into all the different parts of society, and end up taking it over. So, you know, they knew Earth was, even though we're a new young planet but we are a war race of people (laughs) so you know they they didn't screw with us to that point okay so because they knew we had nuclear weapons okay so he and it's the way he's explaining this to me so i'm like okay so these ones that we're seeing on the battlefields of afghanistan iraq you know south america are these these drones or hybrids rather that we end up getting in contact with, you know, and that's why they're there. You know, it's, 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 it's far fetched. It really is. 
But when you sit there and look at all these different stories that you get from, you know, throughout the years, they're all connecting. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. Yeah. And if anybody's getting all the stories, it's, it's definitely you through the, through the North American Dogman Project. So, so, so the interesting thing is, yes. yeah. So the interesting thing is, you you have law enforcement, you have military, you have government people, and they're all corroborating stories that there are these creatures that are dog-like, very lethal, and they've been mm-hmm. here potentially since the beginning of man. Right. But I mean, look at it this way. Okay. Um, the the um, the possibility of the Hollow Earth theory, okay. You know, we we know Hitler believed in it. He actually looked for it. You know, another civilization inside our Earth. We know the U.S. government did it. We sent a whole battle fleet to Antarctica looking for it. So, could these creatures be? Like Bigfoot, Mothman, Dogman, Loveland Frogman, you know, these different type of creatures, could they be creatures that are living in the earth? You know, um, you know, what's that possibility? You know, um, and that's where the supernatural stuff probably comes in. You know, it's 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 how you want to look at it, it's how you in, interpret it. Um, but you have to be very open to the possibility. You know that you know um, these things are from here. My my thing when it comes to real quick on UFOs, I believe they're not coming from other planets. I believe that they're already been here. They're already living in you know in our oceans. They have bases, you know, in our oceans. They were here long before we are. And if you look at you know seventy percent of UFO sightings are all over water. We've only explored, I just saw this, this special on TV about underwater UFO bases. And basically, look, the Earth is 70% water, and we've only mm-hmm. explored 5% of that. Yeah, we know more about, you know, space. different solar systems and space and solar systems than we do, you know, about our, about our own ocean. You know, the, I mean, we, you know, any, any type of prehistoric, you know, creature like the Megalodon or you know, plesiosaurs, you know, those things could still live. Not, not everything died, you know, you know, 65 million years ago. We know that the alligators didn't, the coelacanth didn't, you know, different species of spiders and so forth, you know, bugs, um, you know, never died. They, they were able to survive. Mosquitoes are still around. Yeah. Mosquitoes are still around. Yeah. Cockroaches. They're still smaller. <laughs> Cockroaches can survive a nuclear war. Jeez. Well, well, before we let you go here, I want want you to touch a little bit on an area where the judge and I spent some of our youth. Maybe those records are kind of sealed, though, right? You're talking about Mm -hmm. Akron? Our time in Akron. I went to law school in Akron (laughs) with Matt Moneymaker. With Matt Moneymaker, yeah. Yeah, The judge went to law school with Matt Moneymaker. How about that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I did. I heard you mention that Akron's kind of a hot spot. It is. Um, there's there's a metro park in Akron uh, where they're having a lot of sightings. Okay, and the the metro park actually admitted 
that there's something there. They know there's something there. It's just they don't talk about it. Okay. Do you remember which I, I talk, that is? Uh, yeah, I, I do. Um, I mean, I'll tell you guys off, you know, okay. um, okay. you know, um, and stuff, because like I said, uh, um, it, it's still going, it's on, still gone going investigation. Cause right now we're talking with them on trying to get into the park, uh, on an investigation with some of the Rangers. So where they'll close the park. So <clears throat> right now, um, there's a Metro park where a lot of stuff's happening. There, there was a signing that took place um, where a ranger actually encountered one. Um, it was a snowy night. Um, he, you know, was uh, in the, you know, the parking area there, going into the park. He was checking on something, getting back in his car. He saw a large dog off to his left in the wood line. Okay, so you know he's trying to get the dog's attention to come over, and the dog wouldn't. He said it was huge. Uh, he had part of a sandwich or a hamburger or something like that, and he, he was trying to call it over, and he ended up throwing it over to him, thinking it would come out to get in, and it didn't. So he gets in his car. He backs the vehicle up. Now the headlight, and he's getting ready to pull forward to get out. So the headlight's hitting the animal. He said it stood up on two legs and had this god-awful expression on its face. And he said, you know, it had arms like a human, high-pointed ears, and it ran across the wood line on two legs and went across the road. So, um, yeah, and so I was up there within 24 hours of his sighting, okay, um, when we got the report. And we counted, I talked with him out there, he showed me where it was. We counted 168 tracks coming from the woods up to where it was, and they were human-style footprints but there were three toes with claw marks i mean these things are neat looking tracks and like you said we counted 168 of them that wow. that, that came in yeah i mean i i've got pictures on they are they are something else you know and, you're really making me think about when a dog comes barking at me on the mail route whether i should spray it or kick it now because you never know <laughs> he'll just stand up and just kick yeah it. i'm like you know what yeah who's this who's this dog actually uncle? what happened is the dog would throw a grover sandwich and he'd come running i would take a sandwich oh <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're actually gonna so you're actually got an investigation in the works then to go up and or you're hoping to yeah we're hoping um you know that they'll they'll let us um, they'll let us do it. Um, they're kind of itchy, itchy about it right now, to be honest with you. Um, because it was, it was at one point they were going to do it. And then, you know, they, they decided not to going to do it. Um, they lost contact with us and wouldn't contact, you know, talk to us. What's a um, metro park? It's a public park. Why can't you just show up there and say, and, and not you can't be in there at night. Ah, that's it. That's right. See, yeah, you can't you can't be in there. And here, here you have a an employee of the park sees this thing, knows it's there. Why wouldn't you just want to go and get rid of it? Right. You know, because it hasn't hurt anybody yet. That's the thing. Yet. Oh boy. Oh boy. Well, Jody, we're, yeah. th- this has been fascinating. This has been a great, great, great interview. I mean, this is. I mean, we've gone down a couple roads where we did not expect 
to go down. And I, I know our listeners are probably going to be. Well, this uh, took our dog man stuff to an entirely different level. Yeah, oh, yeah. This is great. Oh, this goes from sneaking around burial grounds to being out in the battlefield with swords and, and cutting, you know, basically soldiers in half and, you know. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy. Jeez. So, so Jody, tell our listeners where they can find your information, especially if they got a dogman story they, or dogman report they want to uh, get to you. Um, they can go to www.northamericandogmanproject.com. Um, they can find um, any all of our information on there. You can There's a page you can file a report. There's a page you can join. Um, you know, a page you can sit there and just, you know, uh, ask questions. We have a, um, oh, I can't think of what it's called right now. Um, you can go in and talk to, uh, like a different people. Or or yeah. Like a moderator in there where you can talk to other people that's on their, uh, discussion board. Uh, so you can talk to a lot of people there, you know, on that discussion board. Um, and like I said, you know, uh, feel free to join. Uh, we'll get you in contact with uh, people in your area um, where you can uh, talk to different people, uh, get involved. Um, you know, just just you know, get out there in the field and and, and you know, learn, do something. Um, you know, help out the organization. Yeah, well, we encourage everybody to go check because it's a great it's a great website. Very lots of good stuff on there. So, Jody, we we really thank you for spending some time with us. We know you uh, had some domesticated duties you got to take care of while you're talking to us. So we hope dinner goes well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but we appreciate this was this was even better than we could uh, could have expected. So, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. It's been outstanding. I appreciate it. Had a good time. Right. Anytime you guys. Yeah. Hey, come back on after yeah. you do some of these investigations. We'd love to hear what happened. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Signing off yeah, definitely. from the Shadows podcast, and we look forward to hearing the results of Jody's investigations in Akron. Oh, yeah. And going down land between the lakes. I think we should send our uh field investigator jerry <laughs> send jerry down there he, he would be the tastiest snack. with a with a thing of jack links jerky and see if he makes it back <laughs> he might not make it back yeah, he'd just get lost and end up yeah. in florida yeah yeah thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the from the shadows podcast until next time never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows we are out. <laughs>
all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.